0: Hey, everybody, super excited for this chat today about the cutting edge of connectivity and security with the founder and CEO of Stratodesk, a company I'm excited to learn about. Emmanuel, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. We're on opposite sides of the coast, so we're just commiserating about our weather challenges, but um, really excited to have you here. Maybe let's start with a little introduction to yourself and the journey you've been on at Stratodesk for, for a number of years.
1: My name is Emmanuel, Emmanuel Pirker. I am indeed the founder and CEO of Stratodesk. I'm an engineer by nature and I have become an entrepreneur. So engineer turned entrepreneur. I i am originally from Austria, but have been living in the San Francisco Bay Area for, for quite a while. Yeah. I forget to count track. Uh, actually, I don't even <laughs> want to know. It has been uh, almost 15 years now. So I came into this space uh, actually many years ago, predates Stratodesk um, with an actual challenge that a company had and, and said, hey, we need somebody to solve that without going into all these details. End um, mm. user computing is a fascinating topic because sometimes it's a bit overlooked because people think about primarily about apps and and flashy things and hey I can do this in my browser and so on, but actually the operating system is what gives most people headaches and uh, headaches of various sorts right I mean you, you have issues with um, availability something does not work you have issues with cost you're paying too much um, security breaches etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So that means I feel this is almost something that is a bit underappreciated: end-user computing and operating systems in particular. And so I came into this space. I still find it interesting, highly interesting. After so many years, it's not getting boring. And so yeah, here here we are today.
0: Yeah, well, it's been a fantastic journey. And tell us about the original mission or vision when you started, and kind of where you are today. You have something called No Touch OS. And no touch center, you know what? What did you have to overcome to kind of build your uh, communication suite?
1: Yeah, so in a, in a nutshell, No Touch OS is a Linux-based operating system that is carefully made specifically for the purpose of being an end-user computing. Um, operating system. So what this means is, think of all these PCs, imagine a, a corporation, yeah? imagine or maybe a hospital, a government office, mm. anything where you run many, many PCs. And this is unlike a personal PC where you say, yeah, I can always fix something if something does not work. If you have 10,000 of these boxes, then it, the challenge is you cannot go to each and every machine, and even if if somebody sells you a great remote remote management tool, you still do not want to log into each and every PC, and and do the same task. So that means you need some sort of overall management, some something that ensures that these machines are all in, in sync. So you can do things based on on plain Windows operating system. Um you can also use Linux like we do. We um our Touch OS as as I already mentioned is specifically made for the purpose. So there are so many flavors of Linux out there. We made our own flavor of Linux specifically for that for that purpose. So we can run fleets of PCs and laptops and, and even Raspberry Pis. Honestly, I'm not mm. kidding. We can run the same thing on a Raspberry Pi. And it can give you a complete Windows desktop that you work with. Obviously, it's not running on the same machine. It's running somewhere else. But it gives you access to a complete corporate work environment. But it has clear advantages. It is more secure. Your cost goes down and the ease of use goes up. And since we don't sell any kind of hardware, so we give you a piece of software that you can and actually should install on something that you already have. Because every desk today, look in any skyscraper, any office building, Mm. even at home, people already have PCs. So our requirements are much lower than what you would need for for running, say, a Windows-based workload or any type of of end-user computing workload locally. If you run it remotely, you only access it when it's hosted somewhere else your requirements on the endpoint go down. That means the software runs on older machines. And, you know, every machine, every PC that is not being built translates into kilograms, if not tons, of carbon dioxide safe. Mm. So that means there is an inherent sustainability factor that comes comes with it.
0: Lots of benefits and uh, value there. And uh, I'm wondering, through the pandemic with remote work and the whole BYOD trend as well, you must have seen just a, a massive boost in deployment and reach you know, across the enterprises. Tell us what that was like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, they, I mean, nobody obviously wants to, to benefit from the effects of, of a pandemic. Of course. But yeah. end-user computing was, was something that suddenly was, was in the spotlight. For us specifically, and again, I'm saying end-user computing is a broad topic. It involves Microsoft, Windows, it involves other companies, their services, cloud, and and so so on. For for our perspective, um, having remote work put so much in the spotlight was was certainly good because, uh, as I already said, we only give people software. You can install that software on even older PCs, Nobody says these PCs have to be corporate-owned, right? I mean, our software does not know who paid for that PC. That means BYOD is natural. We don't have to do anything for BYOD. We don't check your credit card statement, who paid for it. So you can run it, and you can even run it live. So you can use a USB stick. You still keep your machine with your Windows, your games, your whatever you run on, on your yeah. PC, You plug in the USB stick, you do a live boot, nothing will change on your hard drive. There's no cross pollution of of any sort. You run it from the USB stick. So, that obviously 2020 was the year of BYOD and the year of of remote work. And even today, when some companies uh, say they want to do return to office, I mean, nobody or very, very few companies have a 100% return to office, right? It's always some kind of hybrid work. So if if I carry my USB stick around with my, my secure operating system, I can run this even in, in the company. I might share office space with somebody else. Okay. Maybe I come only in Monday, Tuesday, somebody else uses that very same PC, a piece of hardware that co- does not contain any user data, nothing. Um, on on Wednesday, Thursday, right? So there are a lot of possibilities.
0: Indeed, yeah, very, uh, uh, you know, fascinating trend that you're riding on top of. And talk about the customers you're working with, you know, how are they deploying you? Are there certain verticals or industries you're getting most traction? Um, Where are you seeing the biggest
1: take-up? So generally speaking, the, the solution works everywhere as long as you have say a certain number of machines i mean mm-hmm. i certainly run the software for myself too but you know it really makes sense as as i said in in my initial statement the beauty comes in if you have multiple machines so that's clearly a corporate thing a b2b Thing and the more the merrier, yeah, the more machines you, you have, or the more PCs under management, the better. But actually, it starts honestly. I mean, you see the benefits with uh, 20 PCs with 25 machines traditionally, you know, say 10 years ago, five years ago, the markets or our customer base skewed towards larger corporations, mm. verticals, um, healthcare. This was one of the the very early uh, verticals adopting that kind of of model, finance, manufacturing, government. And government, federal government, speaking about the US, but honestly, it's not just the federal government. It's so many local governments. I think the United States, there are somewhat 17,000 government entities. That means cities, cities, um, independent government bodies, like say your water district, your sewer district, mm-hmm. and so on, and they all have the same issue. They nobody runs after them and says, "Hey, I give you money so you can buy new PCs. I give you money for more SaaS products and more money for new Windows and Windows 11, mm-hmm. and so on." Right? Nobody does that. Yeah, it's all taxpayer money. It's it's the opposite. So how do you run? Your 50 PCs, your 500 PCs, or with larger organizations, 5,000 PCs. How do you run these as efficiently as possible? Where you, as I said, don't go to each and every single machine and do something and get the screwdriver out in a software sense and, and change something.
0: Oh, great points, and uh, so true. So let's talk about the ecosystem. You know, very complex, uh, uh, rapidly changing can't keep up with the news when it comes to cloud providers and you know companies big tech companies in the space like Citrix and Azure and VMware. How do you you know integrate or complement into all of these ecosystems? Uh, how does what does that mean for your customers?
1: So we have uh, traditionally been always a partner of the big VDI providers. Mm. Uh, I mean citrix was obviously the, the first company that jump started it got public uh, I think 20 years ago again I forgot keeping track of how many years uh, here here and, and there the, the Ember is in the space with a separate EUC product of a business a business unit there is Microsoft so Microsoft not only providing the, the base operating system itself Windows 10 Windows 11. Uh, any kind of Windows also product called uh, Windows 365 slash Azure Virtual Desktop. So both are cloud solutions by, by Microsoft. So we interface with these solutions. There are other great providers as well. So there has been Um, an ecosystem built up over the last years. And all of these mentioned give you access to Windows-based apps. So again, we have a Linux-based operating system that runs on the local PC that is secure, minimized, low attack surface, and easy to manage. But what you see as a user is Windows apps, either complete Windows desktop or Windows apps. And these are delivered by our partner companies. And there you have a choice. You can even with our solution you can multiple you can run multiple at the same time. Equally important to that whole block of Windows stuff is browsing, SaaS mm-hmm. SaaS apps, web based web based apps. And so besides just running, say, a browser, which is a bit like like Chromebook, you know, we, we can we can do mm-hmm. this this like you can configure Notouch. It comes up with with a browser. It's a very secure environment. There is also an ecosystem on its own that is is pretty hot right now is enterprise browsing. So I I read just a few weeks ago, one of of the companies, Talon, was bought by Palo Alto Network. So these things are on the news. We are partnering with Island, which is another um, secure browser provider. So it's... Actually, they call uh, they call themselves enterprise browsers. It's not just about the security; it's it's much more. It's about mm. enterprise browsing. So these can also run because if, if you run, see, I could cheekily say, what is a secure or enterprise browser worth mm. if the machine that you run it on, you know, has all the viruses and all your keystrokes are being sent to some servers abroad? Right. So in order to complement this as a solution. You definitely want want both. You want the the enterprise browser, but you also want this enterprise endpoint operating system. Put these put these together. There is oh, also so much um, sense something for, for else customers. Going... Oh, Pardon me. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, please continue.
1: Yeah. So there is also something else uh, going on in in this. We have been working with. Um, automation and iot software providers mm. now, this is an even broader topic it strays a bit away from the standard euc business mm. but we we have always been open in terms of technology we said we don't want to do just the pc so we um, ventured very early into the raspberry pi space or the arm cpu mm. space which is interesting. We did a product with Citrix together at the time. Um, It was called Workspace Hub, which was kind of um, the first thing where EUC meets IoT. So we have continued doing that. We can run specific IoT apps as well. But, I mean, that is a a topic on its own, yeah.
0: Well, a great topic for Mobile World Congress. I just booked my travel, so I'm sure you'll make some news (laughs) There, as everything is gets, computers embedded in them from cars to scooters. It'll Absolutely fascinating yeah. to watch. Let's talk about the economics of end-user computing. Um, you know, we're in this era of efficiency and uh, cost savings. You know, can you I imagine that's part of your pitch? Is you know, reducing I speed, it spend, maintaining spend. How do you communicate that to to customers? And what do they what do they see as uh, as as an outcome?
1: Yes so uh, d- traditionally uh, I would say this was primarily about cost so mm. so absolutely I mean it has shifted in the last years definitely shifted towards security so that still doesn't mean that customers are willing to spend more right they want the security <laughs> but they also want to keep a lid on on their their spending so there there has been I think 20 years ago, a study by Gartner Group that somehow jump-started this this whole, at the time it was called thin client business, where they, mm-hmm. they found out that only a fraction, a quarter or, or, or of the total cost of ownership is the cost of the PC itself. So you see the $500 machine and but it cost you over its lifetime over its three years two thousand dollars. And again, it's it's thinking multiples. Yeah, I think you have 80,000 PCs to, to manage, so that that is a lot of, of money. But we have consistently shown that with that type of solution, you can definitely save at least four hundred dollars per endpoint. Wow, and this is something that. You essentially cannot ignore, especially because you don't lose anything. In fact, you gain security, right? You don't lose. I still have my Windows. Yeah, it, it just comes from from somewhere from somewhere else from a different machine from from a cloud provider, my local data center. The machine itself is more secure. There is no user data, and so on. So I'm not, I'm not really losing. Yet I am saving. I'm saving money.
0: Well, no-brainer, as, as we say. Um, I'd love to uh, get some advice or insight from you as an engineer-turned-founder on that journey and any advice you may be able to share with aspiring engineers, uh, entrepreneurs in the tech industry. You must have uh, seen a lot and overcome quite a few challenges to get here today.
1: Yes. So my personal philosophy is that there are three main things you need to focus on and this is product product and product <laughs> because you know if you don't get the product right I mean you you can obviously invest more in, in making noise around it and, mm. and taking people out and, and making expensive gifts and, and so on but ultimately um, <sighs> People will notice, right? Like uh, you know, it is saying "all head, no kettle." And okay. so I, I believe, if you turn it around, and if and maybe this is because I am an, an engineer, yeah, and I, I still like playing with Linux. Honestly, I do home automation. I have also okay. hobbies that center around, around mm. this, this Linux and and tinkering with with operating systems. So that is, is clearly a technology focus. And I believe ultimately that benefits also the customers, especially in a market like this. This, this is really the long game. Yeah? If, if, if you put your yeah. trust in, in Stratodesk, um, you want to know that we don't go away. So we have the track yeah. record, but also from a forward-looking perspective, I will certainly focus on, on the product. And and I will always focus on, on, on the product. So this is, I guess, one thing it's for, for the long for the long run. And then from, from other perspectives, I mean obviously everyone you know, on their journey needs to learn their lesson about sales, how to build up your sales, how to build up your marketing, also your finances. This is difficult, mm-hmm. right? If if you just start your company, you do not have a CFO, but but still mm-hmm. you need to surround yourself with with people with trusted advisors. And I've been very lucky to have uh, people trusted advisors who are still with me after. I mean, I started StratoDesk in 2010,
0: mm-hmm. where
1: I can I can say, look, um, can can you? Let's play out scenario X, Y, Z. What What does it mean? Yeah, and you, you get a good answer. So I believe for for all of these things that that are not yours, because you are again a founder. Maybe maybe you are um, not an engineer, but there is one area that you are really good in. Maybe a second one somehow, but for all the others, definitely find find the right people. Wonderful advice.
0: Um, so we're in 2024, full steam. Uh, I know my calendar is all booked up through March, but what are you excited about? Uh, any travel coming up or events or what's on your mind?
1: So I I actually uh, try to not travel too much. Mm. So I, I have collected now post-pandemic more and more airline miles. <laughs> I'm trying to put a cap on on that I am traveling a lot between Europe and America so this alone gives me much time spent on on airplanes and on <laughs> on, on airports. Our market is is Changing a lot. I mean, if you follow the news, Citrix has been bought. VMware is spinning off the EUC mm. business. That also means trade shows are changing. So we have traditionally had um, some very specific trade shows. um So the usual places: Vegas, Orlando, and uh, <laughs> VMware trade show in, in Barcelona, which is always nice to go there in in November. So these these are the things. Our trade shows are also good for for people meeting meaning Stratodesk people meeting each other and hanging out because we we are now we are not fully remote we, we still have office locations like we have an office in Nashville Tennessee so I plan to go there and this is always always nice being being there also um, let's say Europe of course I like mountain climbing so when I'm in the Alps I cannot resist to to oh. be there.
0: Course, ein bisschen deutsch. Welche Alpen findest du am um, Liebchen? In der ja, Schweiz die oder in Österreich oder Deutschland? In Österreich,
1: Deutschland, die Südalpen <laughs> und sogar Slowenien, Italien. So also, now we have our no secret language. <laughs>
0: We'll make another, we'll do another uh, session in German. How's that? So we'll. Be
1: yes, able to, I'm, uh, I'm already in for that.
0: and I need a lot of practice. So that's, that's machen wir einmal. Uh, well, thanks so much for all the insight and uh, uh, vision. Really a, an amazing success. And hopefully we'll meet you at one of these many events out in the industry. And thanks everyone for watching. Reach out to Stratodesk with any questions, comments. They have great uh, content out there on the internet to, to consume. Thanks,
1: Emmanuel. Wonderful. Appreciate Thank it. you. Bye-bye. Okay, vielen Dank. Thanks, Emmanuel. Turn the tag off. Thank you, Sean. Even so. <laughs>